Hello and welcome to Business Without Bullshit at the London School of Economics, where we popped into the launch of their food and beverage deep dive program as part of LSE Generate, the school's home for entrepreneurship. And first up, we spoke to the head of LSE Generate, LJ Silverman. I am LJ, LJ Silverman. I work um, for the London School of Economics. I run their entrepreneurship centre. So LSE Generate, which is the school's home for entrepreneurship. Lovely to meet you, LJ. So talking about the FMCG industry in particular, what would you say the best thing about the industry is? I would say, well, obviously I'm biased because I work with young people, but I think the energy right now is super exciting. Like it's not just I have a product, but it's I've got this platform, I'm focused on the supply chain. It's the complete kind of, it's much more of a holistic approach. And also I think the desire to embed sustainability into the business model from the outset as well, which is really refreshing. Like each and every student that comes through Generate, one of the first things they're thinking about is ESG, for example. And that is quite a new, but I think permanent kind of shift. And that's what I love. That is what gets me excited. One thing I'm loving seeing is that so many young entrepreneurs and founders in this industry, they're all on some kind of like revolutionary mission. It's not just about making a new product. It's a product with a serious purpose, you know, very environmental health conscious purpose. And it's the first time that 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 effort is being given so much airtime. Yeah. It resonating so well. Do we need this? Um, how is it going to contribute to a better tomorrow? And if not, I'm just not interested. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's not just about the bottom line, right? right? It's so urgent. It's such a restless community. And that's what I love. Like we get things done and, and, and you can see the tangible impact straight away. It's great. So would you advise people to get involved in the industry? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a kind of an individual choice. But I think if you have a good infrastructure, so you have strong mentors, great advisors, you've done your research, you've validated your your idea, then yeah, I think it's I think it's a brilliant place to be. I think London, it's such an exciting, vibrant place. And I think there's probably no other place in the world like London right now to be launching a, a business in the food and bev industry. What would you say the biggest challenges? for the FMCG industry are at the moment? I think probably one of the challenges right now is the cost of living crisis um, and the way that kind of consumer behavior is changing all the time. We're not quite sure where that's going to land. We were just talking to a, a barista and um, that's just launched a, a coffee company and just the cost of kind of his site is right up there. Um, and that's the problem. So I think that, yeah, the cost of living, the current situation is this kind of omni-crisis that we're faced with. That hasn't I mean, kind of intense pressure on, on these founders and we and we notice that. And it's the reason some of them sometimes will leave London and look at other geographies as well to be able to continue that. So is there any advice that you could offer to entrepreneurs and founders out there trying to break into the industry? I think so. One of the things that we kind of pride ourselves on at Generate is the community. Um, so surround yourself by people that have have walked that path already both the seasoned entrepreneurs but also the ones that have been doing it more recently so they've got a more relatable experience as well more recent and kind of relevant kind of story it feels sometimes like a bit of a solo um kind of journey and quite lonely but entrepreneurship is never meant to be like that it's a kind of collective endeavor and i think the more you can talk to people about your business the more you can surround yourself by by people the right people the better What's the best piece of advice that you've been given so far in your career? Oh, okay. So I think one of the best bits of advice um, has probably been always hire people that are better than you. Yes. Um, and I think that takes 
a lot of um, humility. Yeah, you've got to swallow your pride and your ego, absolutely. Absolutely, but it's the best thing that I've ever done. Like, I'm looking around the room now and the, the consultants that I brought on are amazing and I feel very small sometimes next to them but that's the best place to be because you're relying on these people for their wisdom and their their knowledge and I think if you've got the right mindset it, it can only be a good thing it's all about the people right beautiful let's flip it any bad advice that you've been given oh oh yeah don't tell people about your idea because they might nick it I think that's all awful oh, awful advice so you get lots of people who are very cagey or oh, they might steal my IP I've definitely I think we all have haven't we to a degree yeah but I, I, if I look at the kind of the founders that we've supported that have done the best, they are the ones that are at these kind of events, um, talking to as many people as they possibly can, not hiding. I mean, if they if they wanted it, they would have done it already. Um, and so, yeah, shout loud and proud. Be evangelistic about your idea. Love that. Love that. Love that. Is there any particular kind of personal life hack that you practice that you feel has had a positive effect on the way you practice yourself professionally? So I think the kind of traditional form of leadership doesn't work. The kind of agentics, probably slightly more patriarchal approach to leadership. And I'm really excited about this new kind of movement around empathetic leadership. I'm a people's person. I um, I always try and think, how would I feel if I was in their shoes? Not how would I think, but how would I feel? It's that kind of emotional connection. And the people that I admire most are those leaders that don't... Um, Simon Sinek says it really well, actually. He says a leader is someone that isn't in charge of people but looks after people in their charge love that wow it's, it's great isn't it before. and brilliant. I think it's so it's so important to be thinking about have I listened to these people um, do they feel valued it's really simple things and things that are quite often free so they don't cost a business that much it's just listening to someone like how have we got to society this part this point in society where we're having to teach people how to be empathetic leaders like what has gone on but whatever has gone on has gone on um and so we're at the point now where actually the skills that young people need to be learning are probably not the skills that they learn at school but citizenship empathy community that kind of thing and i think a lot of it comes down to like the stereotype that everyone associates with being a leader in a professional corporate environment it doesn't involve anything like human it's it's all systematic and therefore if you even mention the word empathy it's a dirty word right what do you mean empathy and work that don't go together exactly. empathy for like being at home with your kids and being soft and kind with your family but when you're at work you must work it's like no man <laughs> no it really isn't and i think leadership isn't shouldn't be associated with rank and hierarchy um, a leader is someone that you follow because you choose to follow them, not because you feel you have to follow them. It's what I try and teach students, what I try and teach my kids as well. Just don't be a dick. I mean, that's what it boils down to. <laughs> Perfectly put. Now, oh, Jay's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. We also spoke to keynote speakers who are at the forefront of their industry sectors, including Chief Culture and Mindset Officer at Grow Up Farms, Julian Hitch, founder of Dawson Soda, Duncan O'Brien, Director of Purchasing and Operations at Whole Foods Market, Jade Hoy. Co-founder of Inception Group, Duncan Sterling. And UK Food Service Manager at Tony's Chocolonely, Hannah Perry. What would you say the best thing about your industry is? At the moment, I'd say the best thing is the opportunity. It's a, a really growing part of what's the world's looking at how sustainable things are and how we can grow in a in a way that's just better for the planet and better for us. So there's an opportunity to redefine agriculture in a way that we can be part of a positive solution for the world. We are a people business. And what I mean by that is 
interacting with our own colleagues. We've got 450 staff, 450 colleagues who don't want to be stuck behind a desk uh, looking at computer screens all day. They want to be out front and center, interacting, delighting customers, and generally bringing people good times. And I think that anyone that's looking for a career where you are in the people business, I couldn't recommend hospitality more highly. You know what? I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've worked in hospitality to a degree, obviously just doing bar work, and I had some of the best times of my life. I genuinely did. There's nothing like that, that human connection. During the night, it's, it's a different vibe. It's a different energy. It really is. It really is. And if you get a kick out of watching other people having a good time, like I've always been a host. I've always enjoyed hosting people. I think hospitality will give you that in abundance. I love the fact that it's always innovating and you don't know what's going to be next, what's going to be new. And, you know, there's this great challenge of trying to find out what the next innovation is and be ahead of the trend. I think equally, I'm very much excited about the fact that it's a very level industry where you can break in. There are very few barriers. It's accessible to founders to really get their foot in the door and to build something that can grow. So if you like food and drink, uh, you might think it's just being able to get access to lots of different food and drink. But honestly, for me, it is and always has been the people. I became a chef, right, after I uh, had a very, very brief career in, in the city. Uh, I ended up working on the Orient Express train, the Royal Scotsman, and very, very lucky uh, to wind up as a chef. And one of the things about chefing is you get a sort of direct connection with what you do. You know if you've done a good job. And the way that we built Dawson Soda was we built our own factories, we made our own drink. The principles that we were taught as chefs was basically find the best ingredients you can and present them in as simple way as possible. And we do that with our drinks. And we sort of had that direct connection having our own manufacturing. But if I'm honest with you, it's been a, a journey building Dalston's and, and the best thing for me about it has been the sheer, not volume, but the different types of people I've met along the way. I've been so lucky. I've met so many different people from so many different walks of life, people that have given me their time, taught me things, you know, older, younger, from, from all over the place. Uh, I've been very lucky. Should people be getting involved in your industry? Would you advise it? I would 100% recommend. But like any job, um, you've got to follow where your passions are. So I wouldn't just say, oh, it's a great opportunity. Just go into it. Find what works for you. But what I would say is, because the industry is growing, there's an opportunity for a very diverse set of skills. So you still need the same good cultures. You need good leadership. So you need all the normal things you need in the business. So there is a huge opportunity. But the most important is know what you're good at. Feel your skills and, you know, find something that connects with you. If money is your god, hospitality is probably not for you. There is banking and finance and all sorts of other avenues. If you want to make cold, hard cash, notwithstanding, you can still make a very good wage in hospitality as you go through the, the gears and uh, progress through the companies. We've got general managers who are on very high salaries uh, as far as the industry goes who can make very good livings. The interpersonal skills one might possess would put you in a very good place and a regular standing to, to get into hospitality. Man, that's a really good question, right? So if I'm really brutally honest with you, it's a tough time right now because of inflation, rising prices. Also, we've had 10 years or so where a lot of people have started FMCG businesses. So it's a very crowded marketplace. Yeah. And that means buyer's time is more uh, dominated. It's harder to get in front of the buyers and make those sales. 
There's just more competition out there. There's a lot more noise to cut through, right? Also, right now, investment is harder to find. It's as simple as that. So if you're really just starting up, it is a harder time to raise money. I'm not trying to discourage anyone. Got to be realistic, though. You've got to be realistic. And if you're and think, why am I doing this? Is it because I love food and drink? Or is it because I want to be an entrepreneur? Is it because I want to run a business? And the advice I often give to young people is pick a growth industry. Look at areas that are really, really growing, situate yourselves in yourself in there, and that growth may carry you along. If you're very young, go and work. Try out different industries. Uh, I always think also try and think about like, who do I want to be around? What type of people do I want to be around? What, what kind of company do I want to be able to keep in the industry that I'm in? Because it's not, it's not easy. <laughs> and, and you look at the statistics, you've got to be a little bit You've got to be a bit of a dreamer because the statistics around success in business are, uh, they're, they're and tough. you've got to love the pain, guys. Yeah, you've basically, got to a love bit of a masochist. Pain. You've got to be a masochist. Yeah. Comes hand in hand with the dream. What would you say the biggest challenges are in your industry right now? The supply chain is really tough to navigate right now, you know, and I, and I think just being able to have your product consistently on shelf to sell um, is harder for brands these days. So I think that's something to really try to solve for. I would say it's about simplicity and clarity. When you're looking at a vertical farm, it's very easy to try and say, well, we could grow and list a whole number. But it's choosing your focus and saying, okay, what are we going to really focus on? What are we going to become great at first? And what's next? So the vision needs to be really practical and clear. And it's, it's the opportunity for leadership and simplicity of saying, this is the direction we're going, this is our focus, and this is why. So like anything, it's defining your direction the why and the how, rather than trying to be good at everything at once. It just doesn't work. Besides the obvious, i.e. COVID, which affected hospitality more than any other industry on the planet, full stop. Are there any other challenges facing your industry right now? Are they all a byproduct of COVID? I think so. I think we're dealing primarily with, with an overhang from COVID. I, I don't want to get too political. Um, what I will say is that... COVID is probably singularly the most challenging experience that anybody that's in hospitality will ever have to face in their hospitality careers. And if you have got through COVID and your business has survived, there is a certain thickness now in your skin and resilience whereby you could probably have the confidence to think you could tackle and take on anything. That's one silver lining, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I think so. I think whilst we are having our you know, challenges now, when I compare them to what we were facing during COVID, where we literally were cut off at the knees overnight, all of our venues were forced closed by the government, cash was completely turned off. Where we are now with you know, high inflation, cost of goods going up, profits are drastically reduced in our business at the moment, you know, because we feel like we can't pass on the necessary price increases to our consumers. You know, a pint of beer probably needs to be £10 in this country at the moment. It sounds insane, outrageous. isn't it? Uh, but none of us feel obviously the consumer can pay that. So we're having to keep our prices as low as we can in order to help sort of tackle this inflation problem because obviously putting our prices up to £10 would drive inflation. But, you know, we are having to take some big hits in, in, in the sector. So it is a challenging time. A lot of people are blaming the sort of Russia-Ukraine situation with high utilities that we've seen in the last 12 to 18 months. That's coming into line now. But hopefully... I'm an optimist, you know, I think when you're a reckless entrepreneur, you're always a half glass full person. And, um, you know, I see the optimism and, and I'm excited for next year and beyond. And now a quick word from our sponsor. 
Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark, straight-talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. What would you say the biggest challenges are for the chocolate industry right now? Big chocolate companies aren't paying enough for their cocoa. So that is the biggest challenge because it depends who you're asking. If you're asking the farmers in West Africa, that will be the biggest challenge is that they're not earning a living income. But for us, the biggest challenge is to try and get them to pay more. So trying to get to speak to them, trying to influence them, trying to get them on board with our open chain and our five sourcing principles. Are they listening? No. They're not listening? Currently not. Do you think they ever will? I would love to say yes. Yeah. The optimist in you says yes. yes. What does a realist say? I am say? an optimist. What does a realist say? I think when it comes to paying more for anything, big companies, whether it's chocolate or not, it's going to be going to be tough. So in your opinion, why should people get involved in the chocolate industry? I think it's an exciting space, especially amongst the kind of premium chocolate brands. Mm-hmm. It's really friendly. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we're happy to to talk to other brands and network across the industry. This goes for food and drink as a whole, to be honest with you. You go to a trade show, you'll see a brand, whether they're a competitor or not, you know, you will build a relationship with them and share contacts and share bits of advice. And I love that about the food and drink industry. If there's one piece of key advice you would give to aspiring entrepreneurs and founders who want to break into the industry right now, what would it be? I think it's for any industry at this point. It's about knowing yourself. So self-awareness. Yeah, and, and going even deeper than self-awareness because it's there's kind of a taboo against knowing who we are. Yeah, it's banded around a lot, isn't it, these days? Yeah, it's yeah. Exactly. And it's going deep in yourself and say, okay, what do I love? What's, how, what's my passion? What am I great at? What's the thing that I find easier than anyone else to do? Because we can't be great at everything. And so when you do that... And I would say this is combined with another point, which is the biggest thing you can do in the core competitive advantage is learn how to learn quickly. Love that. Love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Learn how to learn quickly. That's a skill within itself, isn't it? It is. It is, And it only knows if you know you. Yes. I think someone gave me some good advice once. The advice was act small, but think big. Act like you're a small company. Um, be nimble. Be versatile. Be humble. Ask lots of questions. Always stay the student. But think big, yeah. Blue sky thinking always. No such thing as a bad idea. And sometimes some of the best ideas we've come up with have been born out of an idea that everyone kind of laughs at and goes, yeah, that's that's never going to work. But someone will spin off that and say, well, what if we tweaked it and did this? Exactly. Open-mindedness will get you a long way. The best advice I've been given was to really promote self-care. And, you know, I had a, a senior leader once tell me, you know, when you're on your deathbed, Jade, you're not going to lay there and think, oh, I wish I'd worked that extra five hours that day. Yeah. It's really about finding that balance and the people and the things in life that give you that wellness. What's the worst piece of advice you've been given so far? I think what I've seen rather than what I've been told okay. is where businesses are really short-sighted in the sense that they will set themselves a budget or a forecast for the year and you'll look at it and you'll get so into this forecast that you don't stop to look around you and realize where you've come from. And I think it's really important to look at category data and growth as well 
to ensure that you're successful, not just this kind of made up budget that you set yourself at the beginning of the year and you hold yourself to every week, month, whatever it might be, it can leave you feeling really deflated because you're behind budget when actually when you look at it, you've grown 100% year on year, which is an amazing result. So I think brands, especially small brands, can get really hung up on budget and reporting against budget. The worst piece of advice is keep going no matter what and don't stop and push really hard. Because the problem with that advice is it's a short-term advice. So it's not that it doesn't work. The fact is you have to understand what is it you want. If you want a life that burns hard, fine, but you're probably knocking 25 years off your life. And we see this with corporates where people keep, quite frankly, dying before they retire because they've got their pushing so hard. So it's not to say don't do it, but know the compromise that you're going to make. Whereas for me, if you can get it for longevity, that's the kind of the wisdom that you're looking for. And that's where I feel our job is as companies to help people get that longevity. I think everyone's version of, you know, working 24-7 is slightly different. I'll always feel really good about the day if I've just done that extra hour or two. But that's not to say that I'm one of those people that has to do 18 hours a day every day because I saw it on a TikTok video, which is what a lot of people end up falling into the funk of, right? They're like, oh, that guy, whatever his name is, said you've got to do 18 hours minimum. Yeah, you'll kill yourself doing that. But maybe pushing a couple of extra hours out per day, that's not bad. No, 100%. And this is quite a nuanced comment. And so you're right to pick up on it because what it is, is you're never going to be in balance all the time. So there is a point where you have to work harder and longer. I'll give you an example. In the martial arts, we set a world record for training 36 hours, a Guinness World Record, for 36 hours and 13 minutes nonstop. So you can 100% do that. And I took with me 44 people, of which 40 finished, four actually went to work, and 30 of them beginners who've only done it for three months. So it's a mindset thing. But that's not sustainable to do in the long term. So it's knowing when's the time you have to go hard and it's needed right now. You've got the momentum. Let's get on. As you said, that extra couple of hours will multiply and scale the result. But it, it's knowing and feeling and understanding yourself back to that initial it comes point. self-awareness, exactly. Exactly, as to how you can make that work and what's the choices you're making the sustainability of that. So the worst piece of advice I've been given was um, to be asked not to challenge so much. Head down, keep calm, carry on, Definitely. don't say don't anything. don't make noise. And you know what? Um, quiet women rarely made history. Love that. Amazing. Is there any personal life hack that you practice which you have found to have a positive effect on your business life? So I, I'm not a big believer in hacks. I, I, I believe the author Tim Ferriss wrote a very, uh, you know, a very popular book called The Four Day Work Week, I think it was called, which is basically a guy that's big on, you know, hacking your way through life. I, I personally believe in hard work and, and there are no cutting corners. Like sometimes you just got to do, you got to do the work, you got to do the graph. Got to get in the trench. Yeah. And, and, and just experiences like there is no, you know, sometimes you got to go and work in a hospitality business for like two or three years before you see every sort of situation, the drunk customer that you've got to deal with, or someone that's had a trip and a fall and you've got to call an ambulance uh, or someone that's fallen ill or unwell. Perhaps there's some sort of, altercation outside your venue and you've got to call the police you know all these things are just products of life experience and staying in a place and no no hacking is going to get you there any quicker 
I think one of the biggest things that we all want more of is energy. So for me, it's finding what works in sustaining your energy. So for me, I have a strong, oh, this is a very popular topic, but morning routine. Same. Yeah, it's religion for me. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I have a combination of like biohacking and like ancient Ayurvedic tradition. So I have tongue scraping, oil pulling to make my mouth feel great in the morning. I have electrolytes, but also for me, the biggest hack, if I was going to give you one, and it's a company I've just worked with as a consultant, is a hydrogen water. Okay. So if you're using something, so I use a, uh, an amazing brand that's literally just launched in a new bottle called Luma Vitae. It just gives you loads of energy. So for me- A hydrogen machine or like- No, a, a bottle of water allows the hydrogen to go into it. So for, okay. So for me, that's taken over a lot of my morning regime. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's what's revolutionary. Because otherwise, if I was not to use that, I'd say there's a lot of supplements that I think you need to do. But that's that for me was a game changer. Be active. Go out. Take a break intermittently throughout the day for a walk or a run and just refresh your mindset. So when you feel like you're in the dumps um, or you're not feeling that positivity, just take a moment to reset that mindset and you'll do so much more. I am always positive. This doesn't always go necessarily for things like forecasting, which I was just talking about where you want to be a bit realistic. But in most cases, I think the worst but expect the best. And then you're going to come somewhere in between. And I think that's kind of the motto I live by in general. A big thank you to LJ Silverman, Misha Ramasetti, and the entire LSC Generate team for having us. It was an absolute pleasure. 